Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I'm excited about this one. Joe Berth is a great friend of mine. Though I say we we haven't actually met outside the virtual world yet, but I know that the universe will allow us to do so at some stage. But let me introduce Joe Beth Evans to you. She is a college instructor, a life coach, a wife, and a mother of two, and foster care advocate. Joe Beth has been teaching public speaking in the University of Arkansas for five years. And from her experience as a college instructor and, a, and her personal experience as a college student, Jo Beth has created a coaching platform that gives college girls everything that they need for college and for the UK guys over here, university, but still allowing them to enjoy their life. Jo Beth, darling, good to see you. How are you? I'm good. It's always good to talk to you and to kind of get some of that energy from you and talk and share ideas. It's always, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for, for spending your time with me today. Um, we, we've got quite a lot to talk about, but I, I think the thing is, is that your, your age group is sort of um, high school seniors. That for, for us, that's sort of um, A-level students, sixth form students going into university or college. So you, you support them. Um, and and it's it's sort of predominantly sort of the girls that you support, but this isn't negated for you know sort of for those that have sons. Um, a lot of Jo Beth's information is going to be very very valuable. But Jo Beth, for that sort of time for for our young people, um, there's quite a lot of upheaval going on in life, isn't there? And there's there's big changes for for kids being big fish in in a small pond. They are suddenly sort of taking the leap into the unknown how, how do we prepare our kids for that and and you know sort of how, how does your sort of college or your your coaching sort of program help young people deal with what's going on in that sort of in this part of their lives well you know before the quarantine we were already um in in our field already helping students to make this huge transition right that's a word you hear a lot when you talk about colleges you know, they're making this huge transition from living at home to going away from home and living without their parents, without that supervision. So you already have this huge change and this huge transition. And then there is so much certainty in that experience before the quarantine, before COVID. So they knew like, it's going to be really hard to do this without my parents, or I'm really excited to do this without my parents. I'm going to have the opportunity to go to parties, to eat what I want, to stay out as late as I want. I have all these things. And so there is the uncertainty there of like, what am I going to do without all this structure in my life? But they know that that is what it looks like. So now with the quarantine, with COVID and all the, the possibilities, 
they're, they're concerned and they're worried that this experience that they have made up in their head about what college was going to be for them has completely changed. Yeah. And so maybe they're going to go to college and everything's going to be exactly like they thought it was going to be. Maybe it's that they're not even going to go to college. Maybe college is virtual this year. So having those things um, in front of them is really hard. And it's really hard for us as instructors and mentors and coaches and parents to find the right thing to say, because we too are going through the same things with our businesses, with our jobs, with um, family events, vacations, everything that we have planned, it's all uncertain for all of us. So it kind of leaves us standing here going, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's next. And that, and that's really hard for parents because up until now we have had the answers so to speak. We we have sort of followed the structure. We have an idea of, you know, sort of what we can suggest. And yet we are in totally uncharted waters as well. So what do we do as parents? How, how do we how do we support them? Or is it a matter of just doing their hands up and going, listen, we're going to have to do this together because I've no blimmin' idea. I mean, what, what do we do? Well, I think that that was really smart. What you just said is like, is saying like, I don't know what I'm doing either. And just being like being super honest. And I think as parents and teachers, it's a mistake that we make so often is, is thinking or acting like we have the answers when we don't. And so I think that we have to be honest. If, if you're, if you're confused, if you're feeling anxiety about it, I think it's important that we tell, tell our students and our, our children that like, Hey, I don't know. And to be really honest about it, but something that, I think that we do know for certain is that we have the choice to think whatever we want to think about this situation. So we have the opportunity to say school's going to be virtual this year. It might be virtual. How can I enjoy that? And something you and I have talked a lot about is finding the joy in the unknown because it even, and as old, the older we get, we realize that, it's all unknown, right? Like everything we thought was going to happen is probably not going to happen the way we thought it was. So maybe we do have some experiences and skills that are going to help us with that. But I think that we have to use those words, like how can we enjoy the unknown and embrace that, but also live that by example. We know that we can talk and lecture our kids all day but if we're not living what we're talking, they're not going to, they're not, that's not how they learn. They learn by seeing and doing. So you think about a sport, right? So if you try to explain to somebody how to play basketball without any visuals, without watching it, you were like, okay, you take this round ball and you, you do like you're, you know, you're writing this out. You move your hand up and down on the ball and it bounces back up and then you shoot, you know, all these things. It's really confusing, right? You're like, okay. So at some point you stop listening and you just kind of, you just move on. Right. Cause you're like, I don't understand this. But when you watch a game, you're like, I get it. They go this way. They It all starts slotting into place. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, think about that when you're trying to set the example for your kids. It's perfectly okay for you to have anxiety about this. Like, it's okay to be like, this is uncertain for me. This is, this is hard. This is confusing. But like, but I'm going to 
find joy in this, not just for myself, but for my kids so that they're not, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about how stressed out their kids are with the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. My kids don't, like they don't even, they know there's a, a thing going around. They're not worried about it and they're not worried about it because we're not, we are not giving them an example of what it looks like to be worried about it. We're so not modeling. So, so it's really modeling the behavior that we need to see for our, for our kids. Is that right? Yeah. And I also think that we have to give, we have to give them thoughts to think. So um, a lady I listen to a lot, she always talks about trying on different thoughts. Okay. So just on a different shirt. Like, so you can take something like, I'm really anxious for college. I'm really nervous. I have a lot of anxiety around it. You can take that and you can say something like, try, try this thought on that going virtual might have a lot of opportunities for me. Right. Um, and then be like, Oh, how does going virtual might have a lot of good opportunities to me, Phil versus I am so anxious about college. Okay. Trying on different things. How does it feel? Um, it's like saying, you know, I think with women a lot, we're, we're constantly working to try to stay in shape and stay fit, stay healthy, you know, be skinny, like all the things. So saying like, I'll never lose weight. I'm fat. That feels one way in our body. Mm -hmm. And it is possible that I could lose weight someday. That feels totally different. So I think that sometimes we have to give our, our students and our clients and our children the words to think about. Um, and it's, so it's, it's sort of making that relative to, um, their, their everyday everyday life anyway so I mean it could be let's throw it out at dating in that it's sort of that you're really wanting to um I don't know ask someone out on a date and it's all I, I'm afraid that they'll say no or I'm worried that they you know that they'll, they'll laugh at me or just sort of think who the hell do you think you are so it is it's it's changing it around and giving our brains a different narrative and and so you know Imagine what, what what it'll be like if they say yes, or if they respond like, I've been dying to do the same. So yeah, let's go get a coffee. It is, it's allowing us the opportunity to think slightly outside the box and sort of shift that sort of paradigm a tiny bit, isn't it? it it's just moving away from what, is, what, what we're scared of, I suppose. Right. And I think something too, and it made me think of that when you were speaking just now is that sometimes it's beneficial to think about worst case scenario, yes. right? Like worst case scenario, what you're dreading is going to happen. What is it? Like I always joke with my nephew and my kids, like if there's something they don't want to do, if it's like climb a rock wall or order their own food at a restaurant or whatever, I'm like, do it, do it, do it, do it. Like I like force them into doing it and make it so awkward that it's like, less awkward for them to actually do it than just <laughs> and then as soon as they do it I always ask did you die yes and the answer is always no right like it's not yeah. going to kill you to ask somebody out it's not going to kill you which is a lot really hard for a lot of students who are maybe more introverted and to themselves to go to that club like not not party club, but like the the clubs at, at the college, you know, to yeah. the engineering club and all those different kinds of clubs. To walk into that meeting, to do those things, like worst case scenario, yes, you die, and the answer is no. 
And sometimes you have to be like, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And like, let's be real. Like I would be fine. Do you know, I had just that the other day, uh, yesterday, I had a young client on, she was 17 and she was on holiday. Um, and she was chatting to me and, she, and I, she said, I'm really, really sorry. Um, I'm a bit late because I was with these three girls, um, you know, just swimming in the sea. And I went, hang on, stop a minute, stop a minute. And I said, but you said you were going out with, you know, you, you were going out with just your family. And you told me, you, we're, we're talking because we've got, you know, you've got social anxiety. And she went, yeah. And I said, so how, how join the dots for me. And she went, Kai, I just listened to you in my head going, the sky is not going to fall in. And so she went up and chatted to these girls sort of, you know, and introduced herself, which for her would, would never have been sort of something that she would have done. So you're quite right. It's, it's, will you die? No, it's, you know, and it's, it's, and if you are, then don't do it for goodness sake. But it, it, it is, you're quite right. It's giving ourselves permission to think of something different and, and, you know, just looking outside the box a bit, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, um, and you know, I'm, I'm turning 30, um, here really, really soon. So I have went through, I, I, I was raised with really strict parents and I'm thankful for that. Um, but I was raised with really strict parents and very much took on their beliefs, took on their thoughts, took on, um, their morals and values, ethics, everything. Lucky because I have really great parents. Um, but what I realized as I got into my, like moved out of the house, came into my early twenties, you know, that college age started questioning my questioning my beliefs and got to start trying to figure out the way I wanted to think myself but that's natural that's that's what has to happen right so what I think and like I was very fortunate I had a lot of positivity put into my life but that's an example of the value and the impact that our parents and their words have on us yes because if if as a parent you're saying hey Worst case scenario may happen, but you know what? I got you. Or you're still you're still here. You're still loved. Um, you can do anything. Like you're living through a time in history that your great 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 grandkids are going to be reading about in history books. Like you're living it. You know, yeah. like it, it could be you. You get to especially when they're little, but even when they're older. Like even if they look like they're ignoring you and they're not listening, they hear you. And they hear the conversations that you have with your spouse and with your friends. Like if you say stuff like this, this coronavirus is just going to corrupt our economy and everybody's going to lose their jobs. And you're predicting things that are so negative, like your, your kids, your people in your house, they hear that. And it's so important that we watch our words and that we, like we talked about earlier, we give our children in in our in our students the thoughts that serve them yes because they don't need to be worried about stuff like that and and I think that's that's where the responsibility with us lies is that we need to watch a watch our language and b when what we say in front of our kids because when we voice our own anxieties that's immediately transferable isn't it? it you know as you said you you took on your parents' values, and this is what happens. We are sponges. As children, we take on our sort of parents' beliefs, their thoughts, their fears, their, you know, whatever, their values. So it, it, is, it is up to us to um, 
try and, I guess, protect our children from the own rubbish going on in our own heads, really. Right. And it's an affirmation, too, for us, um, because we may be worried about the unknown. We are. I mean, that's, that exists in us. We're human. Um, that's what kept us alive, right? As, you know, Cavemen, like this ability to be like, there's a tiger, run. Like we need, we need that, and that keeps us surviving and keeps us growing as you know, as a world, as as people like growing and doing things. Is this little fear that like this, what if this happens? Like we we develop new things, and like that is really important. But we have to realize when it serves us and when it doesn't. Yes, it's all, I can worry about all these things happening in the future, but. All it's going to do is make me really uncomfortable right now. And and that's the thing. We're we're talking at the minute about moving away from negativity and towards something more positive. But you take it that step further because you're talking about joy, aren't you? You're talking about what sort of really, you know, sort of brings the fun and, you know, engagement back for for kids. So take, take, take us through that. Well, obviously you have to, it first comes with acceptance, right? Accepting that, that you don't know what's going to happen and that it's 100% out of your control. what's going to happen. Um, if I want to return to college and move in my dorm and pledge for the sororities and what all, all that, like the university makes that decision, not me. Like I can't, I cannot change that. So first I have to accept it. And then I have to realize that like the outside, and this is something, this is a little deep, but like outside circumstances are not what makes you happy. And a lot of people get that so confused. They're like, oh, if I have the car, if I have the dog, if I have the house, if I have all these things, then I will be happy. But really that's not true, right? Because we see people living in extreme poverty who are happier than anybody else we know. I know billionaires miserable. Yeah. I know people who are really sure how they're going to pay their bills next month. And they're the happiest people I've ever met. So we have to understand that our outside circumstances are not going to determine whether or not we're happy. And if we're finding joy in our day-to-day life. And so once you can like, just have that thought that like, Oh, like I, I don't have to be sad that this is happening. I don't have to be upset about it. Like I can just enjoy and have and and find joy in this experience. So it's all about our mindset. And if you have never thought before that you could have a positive mindset about something, you know, seemingly negative happening in the world, like this is a time now you get to now you get to like be like, oh, I don't have to be upset that this was canceled or that I didn't get to go on vacation or that I might not go back to college or whatever disappointment. You know, we see people finding joy in the final days of their life. Do you know, you're quite right, because I I would say I am an optimist. I always see the glass half full. And it was a, a mentor of mine was chatting to me and she was just going, she said, but where's the joy here? What? And I was sort of going, oh, I, don't, I, I really don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean by joy? Because I, I thought that joy was something that needed to be reached something that need and she said no come on what 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 sort of sets you what what makes you smile and I suddenly realized that it was the small things that you know seeing a butterfly sort of land on a bit of lavender or I I was absolutely thrilled to bits when I first saw you know that that little green tomato sort of growing on my tomato plant and she went that's the joy 
that's what you're looking for. She said, forget, you know, yes, everything is, you know, if, if you are an optimist, then you see the good in things. She said, but the joy is the little things that sort of just bring that, that sort of a bit of fun and laughter into, because I think I was confusing it with bliss, which you sort of hear so many people that are slightly woo-woo are talking about it. And, and I was always thinking that it was something that needed, joy was something that needed to be conquered. But actually it's not. It's those little fun things. It's seeing your sort of kids enjoy sprinkles on their ice cream and that sort of thing, isn't it? It's the, it's the slightly more simple things and just sort of tuning into that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is the small things and it does for those of us who are like, you're more ambitious people. We ought, we get, we like, we get led astray thinking that the joy is in, you know, the journey, which is always like, it's like, yes, that's true. That's true. But like, like the joy is not having 10 million downloads on your podcast or like landing this big job. Like that is not, that's not it. That's not it. It's a total inside job, like total inside job. You being happy. You're the first drink of coffee in the morning. Yes. Yeah. A, a, a soft blanket when the leaves are changing colors. Like that is joy. Okay. Like, so and we get to choose it. But if we're not very good at that, because I've just learned that I'm sort of, even though I'm the optimist, I'm a novice at the sort of, you know, spotting all these. The work that I do with foster care is we go out and we just, I, I get donations and things and we just take it to the families. And, you know, sometimes I'll say with my son, I was like, wow, it feels so good to be able to serve these people. It feels so good to, to have the money to buy this for this family like letting them know that, and like, that's not stuff you would say. <laughs> you know, no, no, you're quite right. You don't get up in the morning and you're like, oh, this cup of coffee is delicious. Like you don't say that. Like, but I think when we're talking about raising kids and we're talking, and let me, let me just disclaimer, I am not a perfect parent. I'm doing the best I can. Okay. I think we're the um, same with most of us, love. <laughs> like, thinking like, oh, she's an expert. That's hilarious. Because um, I'm, I'm not but I'm doing the best I can. And there are things that I do know to be true is that we, 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 um, what is modeled for us is, is what we become. And so, and, and we get older, we get to, we get to seek our own people that we model, but when we're younger, it's our teachers, our coaches, um, and most importantly, our parents and siblings who we are doing life with day in and day out. And so even though you would naturally say, like I said, "Mm, this coffee's delicious, your kids need to know what's going on. Well, maybe not going on in your head, but like they need to know you want to hardwire their brains to yes. think positively. But to, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't recognize the bad. Okay. So we're, we're in the coronavirus right now. Um, but like, we need to be like, <clears throat> like we're, we're spiritual people. We are um, Christians. We pray, we do all that stuff. So for us, we're not going to worry about the coronavirus. We're not going to lose sleep about it. We're not going to, um, you know, we're not going to sit and watch the news all day, but we are going to pray about it. And we're going to do what, what is in our control to do about it. And then let it go. We're going to be safe when we go out. We're going to limit going out. We're going to do all the things that we're being told to do. Um, but we're not going to, we're not going to obsess about it. 
and like let it consume everything. So we get to continue to live our lives and to find joy in being home more, find the joy in um, doing school at home. Like how can we make all this more fun? And so um, the takeaway in all that is that like as parents and mentors and teachers, we have the opportunity to hardwire our children's brains to be better, stronger, um, more joy filled people. And it's not something we can take lightly. And that starts by us verbally um, saying and physically doing things that set the example for them. If you're smart with money, they're going to be smart with money. If you don't do drugs and alcohol, the chances of them doing drugs and alcohol are going to be much less. So, I mean, like, if you don't cuss, your kids probably aren't going to cuss. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's like, my kids haven't cussed yet. I was at a thing the other day, and this lady's like, my daughter said this word and that word. I'm like, Oh, she said she was cussing more. That's what it was. She's like, she's cussing more. And I'm like, whoa, she's 10. Like, why is your 10 year old cussing? Um, and you know, I, my 10 year old doesn't because I don't like, so they're watching, they see what we're doing. And, 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 and the big picture is that we're setting the example. And if we're not living it and doing it, don't even expect them to. Okay. So let's move that on then to college kids university kids because when they fly the nest and one hopes that they will because it's part of their it is part of their journey isn't it and we we, we would rather well I you know that experience um that their, their sort of life away from home because it's it's helping them to sort of um spread their wings a bit but how as parents do we cut the apron strings knowing that they are going into this big wide world of uncertainty where the wheels could just come off i mean so how do we how do we um sort of guide them you know yes they they've sort of been privy to our values but now they are going into a world where Technically, all bets are off. You know, the rules are going to be released and, uh, and, and it's, it's up to them to sort of make the value judgments. How do we encourage them to stay true to that? That's a really, that's a really great question. And I think that, for starters, I think as parents, we have to realize that we have our 18 years of like really um, consistent instruction, teaching, modeling. And then we have to realize that after that, like they get to make their own decisions and your role as a parent completely changes, right? Yeah. It's scary to think, I mean, I guess depending on who your kid is, but like, it's kind of a frightening thought to think that they're going to get to be making their own decisions. Yes. But something that I think is really important is that if, if your child is going to college and they may do all kinds of nasties that you don't want them doing, but if you feel confident that if, if they are in a situation that is going to cause them harm, that they feel comfortable reaching out to you. And I think that as parents, we can find a lot of comfort in knowing that if she gets to a party and she drinks too much, she's going to call me before she, you know, I, she's going to call me and I'm going to get her an Uber or she's going to call me and I'm going to, um, I'm going to arrange some kind of like, make sure that she gets home safe. I'm going to call one of her friends. I'm going to do something to help her. Like, um, or she, you know, heaven forbid she gets raped. She's going to call me immediately and we're going to, I'm going to still help her. Like my hands are off because she's so far away or he's so far away. Um, but there's, we still have that communication there. 
And I think that that the lack of communication is what's so scary to parents. Like, yeah, is he or she getting, um, did they make it to their dorm? I knew they were coming home late. Like, did they, did they make it in? Um, it's things like that. And I think that if we can tell our, our children, you know, like, Hey, I don't want to know like where you're at, what you're doing. Like, I don't need to know that, but it would really make me feel a lot better if you would send me a text and just be like, I'm in for the night or I'm staying, you know, I'm, I'm not coming home tonight. I'm staying over here, you know, like, and let them know that like, whatever it is that you're te- like, they're telling you yeah. doesn't come with strings and it doesn't come with punishment because if let's say your child tries drugs for the first time in college, like aside from getting killed, probably the worst thing they could do in my opinion is start doing drugs. So they, they do a drug and they call you and they say, I made a huge mistake. I did this. You can't be, what were you thinking? Like, you're so stupid. Like we can't have that language around it because it's probably going to drive them to do it again. And we have to be the ones that say, okay, like, obviously that was not a good decision. And I'm not saying that it was, but we, um, I'm here to help you make sure that that doesn't happen again. I'm here to help you, you know, give you the support and whatever you need. If you need to talk, like do whatever it is. But I think that as parents, like if they can leave with you knowing that they're going to communicate with you, they know that you're a safe place. That is the most you can do and let them know ahead of time. Like I'm not going to criticize and punish you. If you get yourself in a situation and you need me. Like, I'm not going to punish you for that, whether that's financially cutting you off or, um, you know, yeah. taking a car or making you come home, like whatever it is. So we need to have these conversations a lot earlier than than D-Day, don't we? We need to have, you know, and it's it's about drugs, about sex, about porn, about sort of sexuality or whatever. Um, what do you say to parents who... Maybe they don't agree with, you know, sort of various things because of their own beliefs or, you know, how, how do we get through, get, get past our own inhibitions or our own sort of beliefs, but we need to support our kids at the same time? Well, that's hard, but I think something that you have to realize is that we, like you as a parent, you're living your life and their life is not your life. And you want them to have the same values and beliefs you have. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, if you're atheist, if you're Buddhist, if you're, you're nothing, you just like, you value family and, and all these things, like whatever it is that you value as a parent, you also want your kids to value. And it it doesn't matter who or what you are. That's just what if it appears that your child is going against those values, when it, when you, you know, every fiber of your being is saying they're wrong, they're wrong, you know, they're, 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 they're take, making the wrong decisions here. How can we guide them? How can we, or, or even just say, you know, let's take sort of sexuality for, for, for example, you know, some parents have, have very firm views about, and, you know, because of religion or whatever. And so how, how can you sort of convey to your child, I do or I don't accept what your choices are, but I'll still love you? Because it's the, the, those are really sort of quite sort of strong boundaries for a child to feel as though they're crossing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, make it sense? Makes, yeah, it makes sense. And I think that what you said is really important. Like, I think what you're doing is wrong. 
And there are situations where it doesn't matter what belief you are, what your values, let's just take drugs, for example, no matter who you are, that's wrong, period. It will damage your life, sabotage your dreams. They're doing drugs. You can handle it one of two ways. You can come down hard and like take away everything you give them, be super ugly, say nasty things, all that. So there's that side of it. So you're really voicing your opinion that this is wrong. And then you have this side over here that's like comes from a place of love. And something I always ask myself is, is this, these words, this action, is this coming from a place of unconditional love for my child? Or am I mad because it's going to make me look bad in our community? Am I mad because this is going to um, look, you know, look bad on our family or people are going to think it usually comes back to me. Okay. It's, so it's about, about me. It's not necessarily about my child, but it's about me. If he's, if he or she is gay, if he or she, um, is a party partier or he or she is on drugs, what does that say about me and what I've done for the past 18 years raising them? And I think that we need to take that out yeah, if we're talking about unconditional love. Then we can't talk about the selfishness of what does this say about me? Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing is a lot of parents um, when they see their children make judgments that they don't agree with. Not only it's I'm going to be judged as a parent, and I'm everyone's going to think I'm rubbish, and it's going to you know cast sort of black cloud over the family. But I think it also sort of makes parents sort of think, where did I go wrong? What did I do to in all in order to what did I do wrong to make my child do this bad thing? I must I must be awful. Do you know what I mean? And so we beat ourselves up about our children's bad judgments. Yeah. And I think that's that's natural. I think that's what we have the tendency to want to do as parents. But again, it goes back to does this serve? Is this serving me in any ways? Like, like if you okay, let's say you were an alcoholic and then your kid becomes an alcoholic. You you set that example, okay? If you were in unhealthy relationships and then your child is in unhealthy relationships, you have set that example. So yes, I think that as a parent, you do, you know, you do need to think about those things and you do have responsibility there. We can't say like, I'm just living my life and however my kids turn out is how they turn out. It's up to them. But if you're modeling bad behaviors for them, then you are messing up. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not saying about like you yelled at your kid or you, you, you lost your cool or you, you messed up a few times. I'm talking about if you consistently set the same example for them and then they follow in your shoes, like that's something that you can, you know, you need to take some ownership of yeah. in real life. But if you're doing the best you can and you are providing, let's say you, I'm just using drugs because I feel like that's a really black and white thing to talk yeah. about. If you don't do drugs, you talk about drugs are bad. You, you show them examples of what life looks like clean and healthy and you show them what life looks like on drugs and you do that their whole life and then they turn 18 and choose that decision what did you have to do with that when did you set that example yeah did it then there's no finger to point there and I think that and something I tell my son is that like I'm going to give you 110 
of me for the next 18 years. I'm going to pour it all into you. And when you turn 18, you have the choice to be who you want to be. And I'm not taking responsibility for any of your actions. It's like, it's, it's, it's you, it's your decisions. And I think that's important for your child to know too, is like, this is not about me. Yeah. This is about you. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to show you how to do drugs. I'm not going to take you to a party and show you how to drink excessively. And I'm not going to show you what unhealthy relationships look like in our home. Like I'm not going to do those things. So if that's something you fall into, like, I think it works on two ways. I'm not modeling that for him and my daughter, she's too little, but like, I'm not modeling those things for you. Um, so if you choose them, at least I know I did that part, you know, I did. And I think that's just important for us to know. And I think it goes back to the unconditional love is the fact that regardless that they still have our support, even if, if, and when they do mess up, because um, that's sort of what parenting's all about, isn't it? Right. It was supposed to be, right. It's supposed to be about, about them and loving them no matter what, you know? So it's, it's this thing that, um, I love you unconditionally, no matter what, because that's what unconditional love is, is the no matter what, like no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what you become, I love you. And I want to share this quick story just because um, one of my students shared it the other day. Um, she is bisexual and her family is very against that belief. And when she called home to tell them she was four or five hours away, I think from home, when she called her parents to tell them, which was very hard. When she called her parents to tell them about what she was experiencing, what she was going through, what she, some decisions she had made for herself, they cut her off. So here she is. I think she was, she was 18 or 19, it was freshman year um, of college and cut her off. And so that is not unconditional love. It's not. No matter what you think about their decisions, um, they're still your child. And it's still your job to show up and love them unconditionally. And they love you, even though you don't believe that way. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I and, and it was, it was very traumatizing for her, right? She, she, so now she's here in college with no help, no family, financially supporting herself and dealing with the fact that she knows she's bisexual and um, her family thinks that she's a disgrace to the family. Yeah. So that relationship was rekindled later and they were able to their her parents called, 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 because they felt horrible. They made a decision like this. Yeah. That's something we need to be aware of too, is that when our kids bring hard things to us, that we don't make decisions immediately. I think that's it. It's pressing the pause button, isn't it? And allowing ourselves the space to maybe even walk away, maybe just get the time out so we can sort of rally our thoughts and respond in a way that serves everyone in the, you know, in the best way, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I just, I imagine myself as a child and like doing something wrong and, but having the nerve to come talk to my parents and then them punishing me. I mean, punishing, punishing me potentially to the point of alienating me from the family, like what that would feel like. I think that's the thing. I think what we need and what, what many of us crave for is to have that relationship with our kids is when that they screw up is rather than go, oh, my God, I hope mom and dad never find out is 
I got to call mum and dad because I know that they'll support me. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's hopefully what you know. So the 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 it's it's probably the best situation that we can create because we all trip and fall, we all screw up, we all get it wrong. But to know that you've got the safety net there is, um, I think, probably what helps most teenagers, young people thrive, isn't it? Right. And I think too, if, if you want your kids to come to you, even if you're like the one that's going to freak out on them as soon as they make a mistake, but you still want them to come to you. But here's the thing. If they don't come to you because they don't feel safe coming to you, who are they going to go to? And you don't want them to go to somebody that's maybe not a good source. Maybe they're in a, a, a not good relationship. And you know, if you see a lot of times, if a girl doesn't have a good relationship with her dad, a lot of times she doesn't have good relationships with men. Like she's, you know, knowing how to find a healthy relationship. So if they're not coming to you, they're going to go somewhere else. And then at that point, you don't have any say in what goes on in that conversation because you're not a part of it. Yes. So the, the trick is, is remaining part of that conversation. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My darling. You've been wonderful. Thank you so much. This has um, given us quite a lot to think about. And and I think also it's important that as parents, we don't beat ourselves up. It's just it's coming from the, the right place, isn't it? So that we can launch our children into adulthood as best we can. Right. Yeah. I would say one more thing, because when you said that, not, not beating ourselves up, I made the point about alcoholics and drug addicts in the home and unhealthy relationships. If you're hearing this now, and you're like, whoa, that's the example I've set for myself. You can't beat, or for my, my child, you can't beat yourself up over that. But now is the day to change that and to recognize your mistake and to openly talk about your mistake with your child and move forward oh, doing you're, better. You're totally right, because that's that's what happened to me. I, 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 I can't even remember how many years ago it was now. I think my daughter was about 10, so it must have been 15 years ago. Whoa. And Alice sort of said, could you take me to so-and-so's house and, you know, whatever? And I went, sure, yeah, that's fine. And I said, what time do you want me to pick you up? And she went, oh, 9.30 at night. And I immediately thought, well, God, that means I can't have my gin. And not that I, you know, was having terribly many of them, but I couldn't have my my sort of my unwinder because uh, until later on. And I suddenly realized this is not the example I should be setting to my kids. And you're quite right. That's when I pulled myself up and went, no, this has got to stop. Um, I was using booze as a crutch. I wasn't the alcoholic, but I didn't have the best relationship with it. And so you're quite right. I think we need to acknowledge that we're doing the very best we can um, with the tools and the knowledge that we've got. And if we feel that we could do better, then do better. Um, So, yeah, and I haven't drunk for 15 years and, you know, haven't really missed it. But you're right. It's, it's, It's acknowledging what is going on in our lives. And is it is it setting the right sort of example? And are we being the right role model for the future generation really isn't it absolutely yeah you're an absolute star thank you so much indeed we'll leave your details in the in the um show notes so people can get hold of you because um i know there are some lots of people probably have got daughters sort of and you know that if they if they need to get hold of you we'll give them the the sort of the resources to do just that but thank you for your time and um I look to look forward to one day giving you a hug, not a virtual one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my love. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.